friends, family, guests, saints, be encouraged. Be encouraged in this season that we're in. Be encouraged in the season that you are in. For our God remains unshaking, though the world is shaking. And his plans and his promise will be fulfilled. Yahweh is faithful to his promise when he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So believe it and be encouraged. Rather you're a follower of Jesus or not. I'm sure there's a time in your life when you felt that you were saved or protected by a power that was not of your own. And I'm here to tell you that power wasn't of your own, it was of God. Protecting you and preserving you for himself. For he has a purpose for your life. Be at rest this morning. I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but be at rest this morning for we have a rock to lean on and a rock to stand on. Amen. A rock to lean on and stand on when the waters rage against our lives. When the waters rage, we can lean on this rock. We have a rock of salvation, people. In these times of chaos and, and hurt and, and sickness and disease and hate, we have a rock of salvation that comes and will continue to deliver us from brokenness and sickness and bring us to healing and wholeness. We have a rock of salvation. Be encouraged. This rock of salvation has saved some of you in this room, just like me. When we were crying out in the darkest hours of our lives, in pain and hurt, feeling lonely, wanted to give up, but he, he, he pursued us and pulled us out of that darkness and he brought us into his marvelous light where there's safety and refuge and peace and love because of his compassion towards us. This same rock of salvation, he came and he endured the cross. Not just so your sins can be wiped away, but so you can have new life in him. And with that new life, there is peace in chaos. Who is this rock of our salvation, people? This is the question we must ask this morning. Who is the rock of our salvation? Who is he, Dugan? Who is he? Lady, who is the rock of our salvation? Wesley, who's the rock of our salvation? It is Jesus the Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, Emmanuel, a.k.a. our God, our Savior, our Lord, our King of kings. And he is the Son of the Almighty God. And he has conquered the cross to cleanse us from sin and to carry us from catastrophe to a commencement of a new covenant in him. And he rose from the grave with victory and with redemption and with reconciliation and with restoration in his hands to give to anybody and to everybody who comes to him and receive it with faith. Our rock of our salvation. Psalm 62, 1, 2 says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. 
Does your salvation right now in the midst of chaos come from him? He alone, nobody else, not my bills, not my brother, not my sister, not my wife or my husband, but he alone is my rock. Hallelujah. Not a denomination, not a religion, but he alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Somebody tell yourself, I shall not be greatly shaken. But I know it's hard. I know it's hard right now because we're grieving the deaths and the murders and the sicknesses. Some of y'all may even have sicknesses going on in your own body. I know we're grieving because of failures of leadership. I know we're grieving because of the evil that we see in mankind. But guess what? But guess what? Our Lord is not slow to fulfilling his promise. Listen closely. This is what the word says. Our Lord is not slow, meaning he's not moving too slow or delaying to fulfill his promise to come back and receive those who love him and follow him and to reject those who reject him. He's not slow to fulfilling his promise. Why? You can put on the screen 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8-9 through 9 says, By the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Here we go. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he's what? But he's what? But he's what? He's patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Did you hear what I just read? Did you read what I just read? He said, he's not slow. I know you're seeing all this going on. He's not slow or slacking or, or, or wasting time somewhere with the angels playing. No, 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 no. He's having patience. He's showing patience. And he's waiting. Because he does not desire. I don't know who told you something different. God does not desire that any, that any should perish. Or, or go to hell and live forever separated from him. He does not desire that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance or come to a place where they turn from the former life and ways to submit and receive his life and his ways. And we're encouraging that text because he said he will destroy the ungodly. He will handle the ungodly. Though we feel like right now he's not doing anything. Some of us feel like he's not doing. But he said, I will. But believers and, and, and those of you who have yet to come know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, know that his patience, the reason why he hasn't came yet, because he's given all opportunity to repent. I know you're mad at the shooters, but he's given opportunity for the shooter to repent. I know you're mad at the abuser who's been abusing, abusing women through, through certain organizations, institutions, but he's waiting for the abuser to repent because he desires all. 
Even you and you and me, he desired all of us. That's why we're saved and we're not dead yet. He came back. He desires all to come to repentance. Do you? But he desires all to come to repentance to where they turn from their former life and ways and follow and receive his life and his ways. Do you not see the beauty of the love of God? Do we not see the beauty of Jesus the Christ, Yahshua HaMashiach? His grace is beautiful. I read this when I was studying the text and I weep for, for half an hour like you, 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 you're not slow. You waited for me. He is not slow with his promise. And we see the same grace and mercy in Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 18. So if you turn to Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 18. As we dive into Luke chapter 20, know that this is the last week of Yeshua's earthly ministry and mission. And right now he's infamous, like his reputation, his name is spreaded. Crowds are following him. Like our brother Deuce preached before, like if he had a Twitter account or a social media account, it'd be off the charts. He'd have more followers than anybody. But just like we know, too, with the social media, you got those haters, you got those trollers. So he had the Pharisees, Sadducees, the elders and the scribes. By this time, Jesus has come down from the Mount of Olives. And he entered Jerusalem with praise. People were praising him. Blessed be the one that comes in the name. Not talking about the title when they say the name of the Lord, but blessed be that come in the name or the character or the person or the isness, the isness of Yah. He said, blessed be that. So he came in and people were praising him as he rode in on the donkey. But as he saw Jerusalem afar off, he began to weep. Because he saw that Jerusalem, his called out people, were missing the peace that he had for them. Because they, he didn't look the way they expected him to look. And he weeped also about their future desolation and destruction. And as he weeped, he, he came into the temple and his weeping, his, his grief turned from sadness to anger when he got into the temple because he flipped over money tables seeing that the very same people he called out to glorify him had made his house that's supposed to be a house of prayer. They made it a house of thieves. So then the tension began to raise up like it always was and it took to a whole other level. So one day while he was preaching the gospel and teaching, they came up to him and the Pharisees and Sadducees and said, Who? And what gives you this authority to speak and do what you do? You coming to the temple flipping over money tables? Who gave you that authority? And then he questioned them with a, he answered them with a question which sometimes some of our friends do and we hate it. He said this. He said, when John the Baptist baptized, what, what, like, like, what was that of? Was that of heaven or was that of, of man? And so they start thinking to themselves, okay, if we say, man, John Baptist was of, 
of what he did was of heaven, was of a heavenly origin, then he's going to say, yeah, 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 so you got to believe me because John the Baptist told y'all about me. He told y'all I was the son of God. He told y'all who he was. So they say, we don't want that to happen. Then we do believe that John, blah, blah, blah. And if we say that John isn't, then these people over here are going to murder us. So out of fear, out of impaired fear, they told him, we don't even know. And then here we are. First 20 verses, chapter 20, verses 9. It says that he began to tell the people this parable. Pause. At this moment, these crowds of people that even include the disciples have been following Yeshua. And he's, he's ready to give a parable because he believes that they were open to receive deep revelation of what he had for them. So he begins to speak. He said, a man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. So a man planted a vineyard and he brought some tenants to, to manage it. When the time came, he sent. The man, the owner, sent a servant to the tenants, the managers who were just supposed to steward his vineyard so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat the servants and sent them away empty-handed. And then the owner sent another servant, but they also beat him and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent a third. This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I'll send my beloved son. Perhaps they would respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. What then would the owner of the vineyard do to them? Pause. Jesus teaches a few things here in this parable. One, so you, in case you don't know, the man... The owner, the one who planted the vineyard, represents Yahweh, represents God. The tenants represents the, the religious leaders. The vineyard represents Israel. The harvest represents the initiation or the launch of the earthly kingdom. The fruits of the land represent righteousness that Yah desired to find in his people. The sent servants represent the prophets that God sent out. And of course, the beloved son represented Jesus. The throwing of the son out of, when they killed him, throwing him outside of the vineyard represented when they, that Jesus was murdered outside of the city. The owner destroying the tenants and giving the vineyard to others represented judgment on Israel and the entrance of Gentile believers equally into the kingdom of God. Also, we see that the religious leaders were tenants and managers. They wasn't owners, though they wanted to own it. It reminds us. That everything we have, we're just stewarding it. It's God's. We don't own it. So we don't dictate what to do with it. And we should be always seeking to yield fruit, fruit from everything we have unto God in honor of him. And one day, he's going to come back. And he said in his word, will I find faith on the earth? Another thing we see in here, the parable affirms Jesus' authority, not just as a prophet, but as a son. And also the parable shows us the patience and the mercy of God with Israel and the religious Hebrew leaders through the sending of many messengers and prophets with expectation to gather fruit. 
We see the patience of the owner. He constantly kept sending people. I mean, me, I probably, after they beat up the first guy, I probably like, nah, nah, forget it. I'll just go myself. I'm going to come with my homeboys. We're going to get what's due to us. But he kept, he showed patience. He sent one, he got beat. He sent another one, he got beat. He sent another one, he got beat. Then he sent his own son, and they murdered him and cast him out the vineyard. We see the same thing happen in the garden. Yahweh created a garden, put Adam and Eve in it. He gave rules and regulations so they can steward and, and manage what God has given them. They broke those rules and regulations. Then that brought sin in the world. That sin brought in a pandemic called sin that we can't get rid of, but yet Jesus Christ came and became the cure. And then what Jesus kept doing, what Yahweh kept doing to show his patience. Before Yeshua, he kept sending prophets and messengers saying, reconcile to me, repent, reconcile to me. And then after Yeshua, he's still sending disciples and messengers and evangelists saying, hey, hey, repent, turn to me. The patience of God, the mercy and grace of God is seen here with the wicked tenants. But we see the same thing in these evil last days, that people are still rejecting Jesus and the truth of God's word. But what's the consequence? Well, if you look at Luke chapter 20, verses 16, it says, because of this, he will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. It's three consequences we see, and we can, we, can, we, can, we can pull out of here one. The consequence of the tenants was death and the vineyard being given over to other tenants. What's the consequence of Israel? Because this is what he pointed to. Blindness is the consequence of Israel and equal acceptance and inheritance of Gentile believers into the nation of God, into the kingdom of Yahweh, which usually was up to this point only for Hebrews and Israelites. What's our consequence if we don't add heed? Death and condemnation into hell being forever separated from God. And that when Jesus do come back, we won't see him and embrace him as brother or as savior, as Lord or as king. But when we see him, we'll face him and he'll be judged if we don't take advantage of the opportunity found in God's patience. But again, our Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. The question is, listen closely. The question is, do you want the rock of salvation or do you want the cornerstone of judgment? Do we want the rock of salvation or do we want the cornerstone of judgment? Why do I say this? He says this in verses 16 to 18. When they heard this, they said, surely not. This can't happen. But he looked directly at them and said, what then is this that is written? And he's pulling up, he's pointing to something that was also written in, in Isaiah. It says, the stone that the builders rejected has become what? The cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. I love uh, New King James Version. It says this. It says, whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but whoever, whomever falls 
whomever the, 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 the stone falls on, it will grind him to powder. So he says, so if you fall on this cornerstone, you'll be broken. But if the stone falls on you, you'll be crushed or grind to powder. The best analogy I can think of is if you're walking through construction site or wherever, and you, 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 you trip over a stone, a big stone that's in your way. Say this is a stone and you just walk and you trip over it. You may break an ankle. You may break a leg. Then you go to the doctor. The doctors help you to restore that leg, and then you back up and running. But imagine if that very own stone the size of this fell from a building on your skull and crushed it. There's no coming back. So what they're saying is, do you want to be broken or do you want to be crushed? Do you want to be broken, your heart to be broken because of the word of God? Or do you want to wait till that word of God come back and judge you and you're crushed and sent to hell? Which one will we choose? Because the word is Jesus. He's the living word. And he's both lamb. And lying. He's both justifier. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for that. And judge. He's both. But with one, which one do you choose to meet in his coming? Yeshua is not slow to fulfilling his promises. But the question is, do you want the rock of salvation or do you want the cornerstone of judgment? We see here that the religious leaders were unwilling to entertain the possibility that they have been unfaithful to Yahweh and were rejecting the son. Sometimes we battle with entertaining the thought that maybe I am rejecting God right now and his son. God forbid if we ever say out loud, yeah, I reject God. Everybody in the world today is saying, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I follow God. Yeah, that's my God. Yeah, I know Jesus, but is it true? And here we see that they understood that Jesus were predicting that God will condemn Israel's leaders and turn the nation over to other people, the Gentiles and specifically the Romans. They foresaw the end of Judaism as they knew it, and it upset them. They were grieving. They were upset. They were angry. But we also see here they regarded Jesus Christ as an unneeded stone when he was a very cornerstone. Of everything. The Bible said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became what? Flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we behold Him as what? The only begotten what? Son of God. They were rejecting the very cornerstone in which the very faith, the very, the very, the very uh, a mission of God was built on and held together. Not only that, but Jesus referred to other Old Testament passages like I've shared with you in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 14 to 15, when he talked about the cornerstone. They taught that a cornerstone would be God's agent of judgment. And those who opposed the cornerstone would only destroy themselves and it would crush them and crush those whom it fell upon. Jesus was making clear that if you reject the cornerstone, your building will fall to ruin. Just like any earthly cornerstone, you pull a cornerstone out this building, it's going to fall. 
So it's important that we embrace the cornerstone of Jesus. For Jesus is the cornerstone of the kingdom. He's the cornerstone of the faith. He's the cornerstone of the church, the ecclesia. He's more than an anchor. We just think about him as an anchor. But he's the cornerstone, the foundation of it. And if you reject Jesus, if you reject the cornerstone, this building, this life you're building, will be crushed. And it will be condemned. So the question is, do you want the rock of salvation or the cornerstone of judgment? Christ hasn't came back because he's given people time. We see in 20, he just kept sinning. He didn't talk about how long it was because he sinned. They said, think about it. He said, he was far off way. He, he, was, he went to a distant place and he was sending his servants. His servants. He was sending his servants. So we don't know what that time frame looked like. But he was patient in that time frame, hoping that he'd get the fruit that he desired from his tenants. But he didn't get it. And he wasn't doing it. He wasn't, he didn't keep sending servants. I'm talking about the owner. Didn't keep sending servants because he was so big on the fruit. He also wanted to keep a covenant with the tenants. He wanted to uphold his end of the contract he had with the tenants. He valued the relationship he had with the tenants so much that he was even willing to allow his own son to be harmed with hopes that the voice of his son would bring them to a place of repentance. The same thing we're seeing right now today. The gospel. We are mismanaging things of God. We're mismanaging our life, our time, talent, and treasures. We're mismanaging what God has given us to steward. And he's waiting. He's waiting. And he's coming to him. We're not yielding fruit, but he's waiting for us to yield fruit. And he sent Jesus Christ. Yahweh sent Jesus Christ. To pursue us through a perfect life, through his love, through his ministry, with the gospel of the kingdom. Because that's what, that's what we need to tell people about that's going to bring them joy. Not just tell them your sins need to be forgiven. That's not going to bring people joy out there. But when you tell them about a kingdom that is to come, and this kingdom has no more tears, no more pain, no diseases, no more hurt. You don't have to worry about your, your, your mother-in-law getting dementia. All that will be done with when this kingdom comes, this kingdom will be birthed. So endure the birth pains. If we teach people that, we share that with people, how much more beautiful will the gospel look like? And I say this all the time. If you share the gospel without mentioning the kingdom, it's a partial gospel. But he is not slack. He's not asking for you if you... If you have yet to make a decision to follow Jesus, he's not asking you to be perfect. He's not telling you to yield fruit of perfection. He's asking you to yield fruit of a heart posture that's surrendered to him and saying, I don't want to follow the old me and my old ways no more. I want to follow you. And I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that what you say in your word is true. I see it. I believe in the constitution of your kingdom. 
Miles Monroe, I've been watching him since I was little. He blew my mind. I saw this thing recently. He said, stop looking at the Bible as a religious book, but look at it as a constitution of the kingdom of God. So it gives you all the rules and regulations and the ways that the kingdom is designed for his citizens, his people to live. I ask you, I'm closing. I'm saying that for real. This is not, you know, the church I grew up in, black church. I'm closing. It's about 20, 30 hours later. I'm closing. So you come up, Evan. The reason why you're still here is because God is being patient with you. You know what he told you to do, and you haven't done it yet. You know what he told you to let, you know what he told you and suggested that you let go and you haven't let go yet. You know how you making your, your Christian friends believe that you, you, you follow Jesus and you are, you're radical about Jesus, but you're not. He's giving you an opportunity to repent. Believer and unbeliever, repentance is a lifestyle. You don't stop till you come back. He's ever shown you, let that go, Lucius. Let, nah, let that go. He hasn't came yet because he's patient. He's patient with you because he does not desire Man, I pray that y'all go back and read 2 Peter 3. Read all of it. He does not desire that any perish, but that everybody come to a place of repentance. Though we know all won't, you have the opportunity, because tomorrow's not promised, to surrender to him and allow him to lead your life You can play a little bit, Evan. The world is going to change when we begin to change how we speak about the things of God. Stop speaking about it like it's a religious thing that we're doing. Yes, we do things religiously. Religion is a ceremony observance. Religion is not bad because the Bible said an undefiled religion is serving the orphans and the widows. But what we do is not a religion. By his grace, he allows us to have denominations and institutions. But what we are part of is greater than a religion. That's why, that's why people look at it and it don't seem as real to them. Because we're not talking about like, no, no, no. I'm coming to introduce you to my king of the kingdom I'm part of. As if you were from Uganda, you say, no, I come to represent uh, Umbaka. I'm just making up a name. I don't know who Umbaka is, but I'm saying, I represent Umbaka. He's a, he's a king of Uganda. I represent him. My kingdom is Uganda. Just as real as we talk about that, we need to talk about the kingdom of God. Stop saying, hey, I want you to come to my, my, uh, my non-denominational church. I want you to come to my Southern Baptist. I want you to come to my whatever. All that don't matter. Because then that's when they start looking at, oh, this is, a, this is like a group, a religious group. When that's not true, the kingdom of God is the original kingdom. It's the original kingdom. There's not nothing new he made up. The kingdom was in the garden. That's when he said, hey, I give you. He said, I made you in my image. Reflect my image. He said, rule over the fishes, the air, over the creeping things of the earth. He gave them authority. Our ex-Uzia in the garden because it was a kingdom. 
He said, now multiply and expand and extend my kingdom. Then we was disobedient and didn't want to bow by the rules of his kingdom. And then allowed the enemy to come in and create a new kingdom through us. It's bigger than religion. It's how we live. You're a disciple. Your children different. I got seven children and, and two grandbabies and three godchildren. And I don't talk to them like come to religion. I don't talk to them like, talk to them like yo, like, like this is how we talk. What's up? Praise y'all. Hallelujah. We praise God. You good? What's up, man? And y'all, what's good? Like we talk about it, man. Remember God don't say that? Remember we don't be like, remember the Bible was like, yo, you know, we don't roll like this in my kingdom. And my, my daughter told my dating at 21. Oh, Lord Jesus. But she told my dating. I was like, how we rolling the kingdom? I want you to look in the scriptures and find out how you're supposed to act as a woman of God. So as you date, you can date a court. Like we act like this is who we are. We yadaim. I'm talking about something. What up, yadaim? What's up, man? And y'all? Like this is how we talk. Because it's who we are. Man, I'm hurting. I'm pain. Ask the Holy Spirit. Man, I need peace. The Holy Spirit is in you. Remember, don't forget. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling my third year. Don't forget the Holy Spirit in you. It's not a religion. It's... It's a lifestyle. I know I went on a tangent. But if y'all could stand, let's, let's go to a time of prayer. But be encouraged. These evil days won't last always. Jesus will return as a lion with justice and judgment against all evil. He's just giving you time. He's given that Jesus rejected neighbor you have time. He's given your husband and your daughter or your, 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 your wife time for them to repent. He's given time. Let's not take advantage of his patience. And I'm not going to read it, but if you go to 2 Peter chapter 3, he says... He will come like a thief in the night. So tomorrow, you don't even know. You could stay up late tonight watching This Is Us, right? <laughs> That's what I'm going to do, amen. I got to watch the last episode. And then go to sleep. And he come. That's it. And you can't go before God and try to give excuses. Well, I, I could have. be like, I'm God. Once you see him, you're going to be afraid. You probably ain't going to be able to come with us. You're like, that's I missed it. I'd rather you be broken this morning, your heart be broken, versus you be crushed when he come back. I want to give opportunity as for anybody that needs prayer this morning that's dealing with a lot of grief wherever it is it could be a miscarriage I don't know why I heard that it could be a miscarriage it could be that you're feeling like you've been defeated it could be loneliness whatever it is I want to give an opportunity for you to be prayed for I want to pray for you this morning. If you need prayer for that, if you could come down to the front. If you need prayer just for strength to get through your grief, you're having a hard week, we want to pray for you this morning. This is not about a Sunday service. Scratch that. 
This is an opportunity that you're in the room that you can be safe. I'm not talking about physical safety. I don't know. I'm talking about safety with your emotions and your heart and your life. You can be safe here. We're not going to shun you because you're saying I'm weak. I'm weak too. I go to God every day about my issues. My wife reminds me about my issues every day. Did you go to him about that? Because I'm seeing that right now. You better. I don't mind. I'm weak, yes. But I'm his. Amen. You are his. If you need prayer this morning, we want to pray with you. There's elders in the building. If there's leaders who love the Lord Jesus, Terry, you can come down. I want you to come down and pray. This is how I grew up. You don't have to be elders and lead just to pray. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, you're a leader, and I know you're in here, and I know you love Jesus. I know Terry loves Jesus. Amen. Could you come down and pray for the sisters? Josh, if you can come down, hallelujah. I know y'all gonna be like, Hottie, that joke was just unorthodox. He just did what he wanted to do. Now, Yahweh, I'm about Yahweh. By Yahweh, hallelujah. I got brother here. Wesley, if you could, I don't mean to take away from the good time. You play so beautifully, brother. Could you come down and pray as well? Pray for these brothers and sisters down here. But also, if you don't know Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, as your Lord and Savior, if you're not following him, if you're not submitted to him, I'm not talking about ceremonial observance, like going to church. Oh, I go to church, you know, every holiday. No, no, no. If he's not the Lord of your life, will you come to him and say, what do I need to do? And if he's not the Lord of your life, then you don't have his Holy Spirit. And if you don't have his Holy Spirit, then you're not sealed as his child. I don't care what the world tells you. It said by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit confirms that we're children of God. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, again, He's not expecting you to be perfect right now. He just wants you to start a journey of surrendering and following him so he can put it, impute his righteousness and his holiness in you. And he'll do the work. Trust me. I'm jacked up. He do the work every day in me. And I'm not doing the work. I trust in him and the spirit to do it. So if you wanted to give your life to the Lord Jesus this morning, you could come down. I'm telling you, you don't know when he's going to come. We ask that you come now. So we can pray with you and love on you and get you connected. Oh, Father, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Jesus Christ suffered on the cross for you, for your sins, and to, so he can give you a new life in him. We're connected to a kingdom that will never end. I'm going to tell you this, the world is not going to stop being evil. It's what they do. The enemy is the prince of the air. He's not going to stop being evil. There's going to be mass shootings. I'm sorry. There's going to be more kids molested. I'm sorry. There's going to be more women sexually abused. I'm sorry. Evil is running rampant, but we got a God who can give you peace in the midst of it. I can't promise you your children won't die for the sake of the gospel. I can't promise my children to stay alive. But I can promise you that if you receive Jesus Christ in your life and then you share him with your children, even if they die, they will be forever with him. And then one day you will see them in heaven and they'll say, thank you, mom and daddy, that you told me about Jesus. 
The wife you have, the husband you have, the friends you have, it's not about you. God wants you to share the gospel with them. I was late this morning, and I, cause I, I, I had a dress shirt on. It was too tight. It's like, I'm not feeling it. Need a t-shirt. Amen. So I went to Target. Target I'd never been to. And I left the Target, and I saw this young man, and I saw this older woman on the side. They both look homeless. And I heard the Spirit say, turn around and buy that man whatever he wants to eat. I said, you sure, God? Because the lady over there really said, I want him. And then tell him it's from me. And I hit that you. And I went over to her. I said, hey, you ain't yet? He said, no, I didn't. He said, come. Where, where the nearest place? I don't know where I'm at. He was like, Kroger, let's go over there. Can I get in your car? Nope. COVID. I'll meet you over there. It's just right over there. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping real. <laughs> I was like, nope. See, it's right there, brother. You don't need to. Amen. And I bought him whatever he wanted. He was shouting, I was just going to get water. No, get turkey, ham, whatever. Like, it's, it's, it's hot outside. You need some watermelon. I'm thinking about stuff I want. Hey, you want some turkey? He getting bologna. No, no, no. You want that? Ain't good for you. Get some of this turkey. Like, I'm loving on him on behalf of Jesus because tomorrow's not promised to him. And I stood with him and shared the gospel with him in front of Kroger. And I told him, this is from God, not me. And he wants your life. And he sat there. I took my glasses off because I had shades on. I said, I looked him in his eyes. I said, I wasn't far from where you were. I'm no better than you. Don't look at it because I got slacks on. I'm, I dress like you on, a, on, a, on another day. I said, but God wants you. I said, don't, don't forget what the world tell you about him. And I went down who Jesus was. I went down what the kingdom of God was. And I said, I love you, brother. And I'll be praying for you. Because tomorrow's not promised. Again, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we want to give you an opportunity to come down and we want to pray with you and get you connected to a city group so you can get a community walk with you. Let's pray. I've been up here long enough. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.